and welcome back to From Tits to Toes. I am Dr. Michaela Rush, an OBGYN. And I am Dr. Ann Sharkey, a podiatrist. All right, so welcome back to the show. And any of the newcomers here, welcome. So uh, we'll chat about our weekend or we'll yeah. see what all we've done. Um, how's the new puppy coming along? She's doing well. So yeah. I said to my husband this morning, I'm going to call declaration. I think we can say house trained. <gasps> Pretty good. Already? Yeah, so awesome. um, mm-hmm. she's doing really, really well. The we'll kennel her at yeah. nighttime. Obviously, I think that she's not ready to go those long stretches unsupervised. Yeah. But yeah, she's doing really well in that department. We did discover though, she gets car sick. Oh no! Yeah, where did you take her? Um, well, so the when we picked her up, she mm-hmm. threw up in the car the first time. But I've had that every dog I've ever gotten now was puked in the car the first time. Really? Yeah, I know. I've never had that before. Oh, yeah, Charlie puked. Oh, it was I had no. a brand new car and he like vomited right down the, between the car the console and the seat. Oh, it was no. terrible. Um and Emma did too, but we've taken her in the car a few times now and every time she's thrown up. So we know we're prepared. We have towels and and doggy oh, no. pee pad things, but in the summer we spend a lot of time in the car driving between the lake and our house and we're a little fearful that we have this motion sick dog that's going to vomit every time we're in the car so we'll see tbd on that maybe she's just nervous we're not sure um but yeah how about keely how's keely she's good she Mm -hmm. so much better than i have better meets all my expectations and beyond like you know when you get a rescue you have no idea never know what you're getting into and um, no, I mean, she may have had like a couple of vaccines the first few days, but yeah. nothing for the past few days. I so mean, it's, it's been great. We haven't had any accidents. She's just lovey and, you know, mm-hmm. jumps up in your lap. And, and your other dog gets along with her really well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and he, he could care he's less. So, he's so chill. I know. Yeah. I was like, he really doesn't care, but she'll try to play with him okay. and then he'll play for a little bit. And sometimes he's just not in the mood. And, yeah. um, but no, and then he gets along, she gets along with the other dog. We had our in-laws come in this weekend. Okay. And, um, they have another small dog and they just played and played. And we Aww. knew that they would just play and get along with each other. So they can exhaust each yeah. other. No, it's just better than my expectations for sure. Like That's awesome. we haven't had any accidents and yeah. yeah. Oh, so much no, better. Like no intense, you know, always worry about like crying at night or anxiety no. with the kennel. No, and... she sleeps through the night in the kennel, so like doesn't make a peep. I, I, in the first few nights I was like not sleeping well because I was trying You're to listen. Yeah, for it. I'm listening for it. Like, what am I going to listen for? Like, mm-hmm. is she going to cry? Is she going to whine? Is she going to yeah. try to scratch at the door? Sure. I don't know, but no, she sleeps through the night. I just get yeah. up in the morning. I let her out. She goes to the bathroom. Okay. It's amazing. Oh, I can't ask for anything more. I forgot the thing we did learn. Oh. Emma can get out of her kennel. What? We're not sure. So I had read oh. that Great Pyrenees were really smart dogs. Yeah. And <laughs> Meredith was at school and I was at work and Tom had to run an errand. He put her in the kennel and he came home and she was not in the kennel. Like, how do you get out of it? Like, I am not sure. I wish we had latch? a video. Oh, you're gonna have to set up a camera now. Absolutely, because yes. well, of course I asked him like, "Are you sure you shut the door properly?" But it's a very simple door. Like yeah. I was positive he shut the door properly, and he's like, "Yes, I shut it properly." Oh, no. But she was just hanging out with Charlie, so she was fine. He didn't find any like messes or yeah. disasters. But now we're a little concerned because we have this dog who apparently is an escape artist. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't even know how so. to get. It. I guess it depends on the doggy, like. And Kate, like, yeah, I mean, it's like she would have had to lift the door up and push it out somehow. And I can see her thinking about it at nighttime when I put her in there. She's normally pretty tired, so she'll just lay down. But I have caught her like sticking her nose under it, so I don't know if she can like wedge her nose and lift it. I've seen her open levered door handles that she can do in the house. Like, if the doors push out, she's smart enough to figure out like she Mm -hmm. can open the door and get out, but she's big enough. 
Oh, she can jump. Oh, mm-hmm. I was like, she's a puppy. Yeah, she's big yeah, enough to she's open that tall. door handle. She's gotten so tall. Oh my gosh. So, like, if I take a shower in the morning, there's a door between the the master bathroom and, yeah. and the bedroom, and she has discovered that she can open that door. So she has like escaped no. from that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we'll see. But that's the Emma. That's oh, the Emma no. story. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, so. mine's going to go into training soon. So we're going to oh. have like for leash training okay. and like actual legit training. We have puppy so. obedience starting tomorrow night. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. I think we have our initial evaluation tomorrow. Okay. And then we're going to schedule there our you go. I know. That's always a big step is to make sure that they're good, you know, in public yeah, and I want Yes. And I, leash training is really key because Chris likes to run with them. And okay. So we want the leash training part mm-hmm. and then the basics like sit, come, yeah. you know, come, lay down. Right. Yeah, because come. otherwise you can't take them anywhere. If you worry, right. they just run and take off. Yeah. They need to listen to you. They need to be you. able to come back to you and yeah. like heal and you know yeah, yeah. so okay we're, we're well good luck we'll that. have to catch up on our puppy training experiences yeah. here pretty soon when we had our first live episode we did cocktails we did, and questions we did our cocktails and questions um it went well yeah we had a lot of questions so it was I good i think we'll have to do that more often it's a little bit fun a different way to interact because yeah. here is just between us and then we'll have questions but that allows people to be right there in the moment yeah. with us. And I so, like the cocktails and questions. We're mm-hmm. going to have to choose a different cocktail each time and maybe yeah. a different location. I don't yeah. know. We'll have to We're gonna figure that out. We're going to need some themed options oh gosh, here coming up. that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. We'll have to figure out the next okay. one. Okay. Well, this week's episode is all about peeing your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. So we chat about incontinence, uh, the different forms of it, and the different treatments. And we had Dr. Erin Dewar, who is new to Austin, and she's with Baylor Scott and White. And so let's dive into the episode. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the podcast. We're really excited to have Dr. Aaron Dewar here today, who is a urogynecologist. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. First off, um, can you tell all the listeners what a urogynecologist is and then introduce yourself? Sure. So a urogynecologist is a physician who either comes from the OBGYN pathway or the urology pathway. It's now officially called female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. Um, to sound more official. Wow, that's very long title. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and so what we specialize in is we specialize in pelvic floor reconstruction, anything that has to do with the genital urinary tract as far as prolapse, incontinence, pelvic pain, voiding dysfunction, um, even fecal incontinence. Oh, nice. And you specifically did OBGYN. So you did OBGYN training and mm-hmm. then did a subspecialty or a fellowship in urogynecology. Yes. 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 So I did four years of OBGYN residency and then three years of uh, fellowship. Perfect. So tell us about where you all started and all the training. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and I did most of my education in Ohio um, doing uh, my residency in Cincinnati, at University of Cincinnati. And then um, I finally escaped Ohio, got to LSU uh, in New Orleans, um, and I spent my three years of fellowship okay. there. Mm-hmm. And then after graduating, I took a job in Houston and I was there for two years and now I'm here in Austin and I'm sort of encompassing a very large area. I'm going all the way from Temple to Round Rock wow. to Oak Hill in South Austin. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, and I have to say, so urogynecologists are hard to find. And I tell patients all the time that it's hard to find them. You can only find them in big cities, really, because okay. there's not very many of them out there. Yeah. Well, it's becoming more and more prevalent, mm-hmm. right? So, but 
back, I don't know, dating myself, like 12, 13 years <laughs> when I was in, you know, 15 yeah. years ago when I was in residency, right? They were hard to find. And so you can only find them in big cities. So people had to travel to big cities or they would have to have like one day a week, a clinic in Satellite a smaller clinics. town. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, so they were hard to find. And sure. it's mo- it was mostly male dominated. So for us to know yes. a female urogynecologist mm-hmm. was like gold. And it's mm-hmm. really hard to find a female one. And in my field in OBGYN, most of them want a female, right? right. So they see me exactly. because I'm a female and they want to see females for almost everything they do. It's hard to find mm-hmm. urogynecologists that are female and GIs that are female. Like those are, yeah. I feel like those are yeah. my two hardest ones. Well, we talk about some of the most intimate things that people have to deal with, you know, incontinence mm-hmm. or sexual dysfunction, um, you know, menopause. And some women don't feel comfortable talking to, you know, other men about it. And so, you know, it's nice to have another female to be able to confide in. Yeah. No, I think it's great. Absolutely. Well, welcome. And you just moved here recently. So yes. it's all new into Texas right before the big storm, mm-hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> you probably I know, right? Like, what was going on here? <laughs> no one told me it is winter in Texas. <laughs> Texas is very bipolar. So you're going to mm-hmm. learn that one day it's going to be cold and hail storms. <laughs> yes. And then the next day it's sunny and 80. So Cleveland is not that much different. I know. It's very akin to the Midwest. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. always would say that in Chicago, right? Like if you didn't like the weather, just wait a day. And it seems that that statement can apply in many places. Yeah, so it's true here in Texas as well. Until and we get to about this time of year where it's just 90 plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, today's amazing. It's yeah. in, it's April right now, yeah. right? So it's 80 something degrees out there and it's you amazing. Know. I feel like we could be out there in swimsuits right now. So mm-hmm. I can't tell with this weather. You never know. (laughs) Lake season is upon us. I'm excited. Yes, outdoors. Mm It's going to be good. Okay. Um, So yeah, so I guess the topic today is going to be urinary incontinence or Mm -hmm. leaking on yourself, peeing on yourself. Right. And so it's a common thing that people talk about post-childbirth. I vividly remember um, after Meredith was born, we would be at this gym in Indiana that we belong to. And most women were there. There were some guys. But everyone would be this like collective groan when they're like jumping jacks we're like no right and so we had chatted about this a little bit before in that you said everyone believes that this is just something you need to deal with after having a child but you say no right so let's dive in yeah so you know urinary incontinence a lot of women believe that this is normal it's something that just happens something that you just have to deal with and it's not normal it's common but it's not normal and so there are a lot of things that you can do, um, non-surgical and surgical, to sort of help with urinary incontinence. There's also different types of urinary incontinence, so it's yeah. not a one-size-fits-all type of treatment, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. so maybe I think, what's, let's break down incontinence. Maybe talk to us about the different types yeah. that there are. So the two types are there's stress urinary incontinence, which is the incontinence when you cough, laugh, sneeze. Um, jumping jacks. Jumping jacks. <laughs> yep. A lot of my young moms will say, I can't jump on the trampoline with my kids. Oh, yeah, the trampoline. Danger zone. I get the zone. trampoline all the time. And they're like, I can't jump on the trampoline with my kids or my grandkids. I'm like, how many people are jumping on trampolines out there? I get it all the time. Like, yeah. The trampoline is yeah. like the, the killer for everyone. Yeah. 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 Or exercising in general. Yeah, but trampoline um, comes up a yeah, so, hundred times. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So anytime you have an increase in your, you know, intra-abdominal pressure leads to leakage when you don't have the urge to go to the bathroom. Um, the other type of, you know, incontinence occurs with the overactive bladder. It's that gotta go, gotta go. Um, always, it's always on your mind. You're always feeling like you have that urge to go to the bathroom. And you can't get there in time. And so it, you leak while you're on the way to the bathroom or we call it the sort of key in the door. You're like, you're putting your keys in the door and it's just coming down your leg because you cannot make it in fast oh, enough. Okay. That's the worst. 
can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So is there differences in why each one of those types of incontinence occur? Yeah, so stress urinary incontinence we think is more an anatomical issue. Um, So through childbirth, um, going through life, there is some genetic component to it. Um, But really we think it's a a defect or a weakening of the pelvic floor muscles. Um, So what happens is, you know, if you think of the urethra as a garden hose, um, normally you're going to kink that hose to keep it from leaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens is when you have stress or incontinence and those pelvic floor muscles that keep that kink in place, um, are weakened, it's not as kinked. So there's a little bit of a room okay. for things to sneak by. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Like yeah. So some people, maybe even in absent of childbirth, just have that where mm-hmm. they have natural leakage. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, your overactive bladder urgency incontinence, um, that can be very multifactorial. Um, it can be related to um, dysfunctional pelvic floor muscles from having child, from having children or um, from exercising. A lot of my uh, weightlifters, you know, they don't protect their pelvic floor very well. Oh, and sure. so that causes a lot of dysfunction. Chronic constipation is a huge issue mm-hmm. that causes incontinence. And then there's also, you know, there is thought to be some neurologic component to it that okay. the sensation of the bladder is affected and then it causes this abnormal pathway. Okay. Um, a lot about overactive bladder we don't know, um, which mm-hmm. is very frustrating to a lot of patients because yeah. I can't always give them exactly a reason as to what, why it's something is happening. one of the hardest happening. things when you have to give the like, well, we don't exactly know answer. I was like, but there's different treatments. But there's treatments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's try. Okay. Are there medications that can cause as a side effect overactive bladder? No, not specifically. Like I don't really know of any, right? I don't know no. of any. Okay. Yeah. There are some diabetes medications that can cause you to produce a lot of urine. And okay. it, the more urine you Bypass produce, the more effect. frequency you're going to have. Um, so I have had to sort of arrange, you know, same with diuretics, high mm-hmm. blood pressure medication. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have um, so, several patients that complain about yeah. that. Yeah. So especially my older patients who are on multiple medications, I do review their medications with them quite extensively and see if we can, you know, if we modify things or move mm-hmm. time, timing around, yeah. if that helps. Okay. Yeah. So for stress incontinence, I guess run through the stress incontinence, uh, treatment options, or eva- I guess more of a, what would you start with, with an evaluation and then uh, treatment yeah. options? Um, so when you come there. to see a urogynecologist, they're going to do a very thorough history and they're going to ask you a bunch of questions as far as when do you leak? How much do you leak? When do you urinate? How often do you get up at nighttime? How do these things affect your quality of life? How do they affect your bowel function? How do they affect, affect your sexual function? Um, and then also any, you know, previous, they want to know your obstetrical history, how, you know, type of deliveries you had, were there complications associated with that? Um, and how then big were the babies, we right? How did. big were the babies? Yeah. Um, did you have a fourth degree laceration? Mm-hmm. Did you have a forceps delivery? Those things can sort of sometimes point us in a certain direction. Um, then we're going to do a very focused exam. It's not going to be exactly the same as the pelvic exam you may have with your OBGYN. Um, it's going to be um, a little bit more focused, uh, specifically on, we're going to look at the outside of the vulva. We're going to look in the vagina. We're going to look for prolapse. We're also going to see if we can make you leak. And a lot of my patients, they never want to. I always I tell them, okay, we're, I want you to cough. Or I want you to bear down. And they're like, oh, I'm going to leak. And I was like, no, I, I actually want to see that. Yeah. I want to see how, mm-hmm. when does it happen? How does it happen? Yeah. How much does it happen? Um, that's why I wear scrubs. So <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> in fact, I have extra scrubs yes. in the back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it won't be the first or the last time. So don't worry about it. 
And then, so then after we do that, you know, we will, we'll check your urine, make sure you don't have an infection. A urinary tract infection can cause you to leak. Um, and that may be the only symptom. So a lot of times that's an easy fix. Um, and so then after that, then we'll sort of see where we are and talk about what your options are. Mm -hmm. For the options for stress incontinence, um, run through what you would offer for for potentially stress. If it was like true stress incontinence, um, I mean, with or without prolapse. Yeah. So pure stress incontinence. We're going to start talking. I always offer my patients conservative management first. Um, Unless they come in and they say, nope, I'm ready. This is what I want. And that's fine too. But if we can do things without surgery, that that usually is the better opportunity. Um, So we'll talk about sort of you can time do what's called timed voiding and Um, So we work on making sure we're emptying our bladder. The more empty your bladder is, the less you're going to have to leak. Talking about doing pelvic floor physical therapy or pelvic floor muscles um, or Kegels as everyone knows Mm -hmm. them. A lot of times people aren't doing Kegels appropriately. Um, And so sort of counseling people on how to do them correctly. Um, There's also vaginal inserts or pessaries Mm -hmm. um, that we can fit you for. Uh, There's also an over the over-the-counter sort of product. The Poison Pressa is great. I talk about that all the time mm -hmm. with my patients. I even bought a sizing kit just so I could show the patients because nobody ever believes me, but they're hard to find at the store. They are hard to find, yeah. You can't really find them. So explaining what they are, they look like a tampon, Mm -hmm. but they're just shaped in a different way, kind of like a bow tie. Okay. Um, They kind of look like a tampon, but you insert them, so they're disposable. So it's supposed to put compression on the urethra? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it it expands so it's wider in the front, Uh like instead of a tampon straight, it's wider in the front, so it uh, applies that pressure Ah, under your urethra. Okay. Um, but there's different sizes, and so yeah. you have to buy the sizing kit first to okay. figure out which yeah. size yeah. fits the best and which one would work or not. Mm-hmm. But they're disposable, so right. you have to, you know, yeah. Yeah. get rid of them. But you can get them on Amazon. I ordered the box I have at the office from Amazon. Yeah. But they're hard to find. I looked in every they store because really I tried to, to tell patients where you can get them. Yeah. And I even message them through social media, like, hey, can I get samples, like, so I can show mm-hmm. patients or whatever, and it was a rigmarole and they're like oh contact this and contact that I never got anywhere so I just never mind Amazon will have it to me in like 24 hours I know like forget it Amazon will get it here I know gotta love my Amazon yeah Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really actually kind of especially my young moms who don't want surgery who only leak maybe when they're you know in a fitness class Mm -hmm. or very specific situations um, they tend to be very happy with that yeah well, and I, I think that they're great for someone, especially for those who kind of figured out that tampons work. Mm-hmm. And so I do have a few patients, they figured out like, oh, I can go running if I put a tampon in. I was like, ah, uh, she finally figured it out like on her, yeah. on her own. But I think the Impressa would be better, you know, like it, yeah. uh, it does a little bit better. But um, some figure it out on their own or I even tell them it's probably cheaper just to get tampons. If a tampon mm-hmm. works, then great. Like you right. can try yeah. that temporarily. Or you can get just fitted for a very small incontinence ring. Yeah. I mean, those are great little- too incontinence ring or pessaries and that's with like prolapse Mm -hmm. and stuff too yeah cool yeah yeah um so then after we sort of exhausted our you know conservative options then we talk about okay surgical options um and those can vary from doing something called a mid-urethral sling um and they're done in various ways with various materials the most common um is you know with mesh like we hear on you know the tv commercials (laughs) um so but what we do know about you know our slings our mid-urethral slings is that um we have a lot a very we have a very long-term um safety profile on them um and they actually have very low risk they're very successful um and they are very safe so before mesh it used to be 
like fascia or didn't they take so we can make slings out of fascia Mm -hmm. we harvest it from the abdomen or from the fascia that's along the lateral thigh that is still an option or you can use you know cadaveric grafts yeah um but they don't last as long right that thing isn't that the problem or i say i don't do this this is why you're the expert here so so as far as efficacy goes if we're just talking about decreasing the amount of you're going to leak a sling made from your own fascia versus from the mesh is going to work almost exactly the same there's a lot more complications um, that are associated with using a sling um, made out of your own fascia just because it's a much larger aggressive procedure Mm. Um, and you're more likely to have more difficulty urinating afterwards because it's a more obstructive procedure Hmm. whereas a mid-urethral sling the whole concept behind is that it's tension free so it's not preventing anything from coming out it's just sort of mimicking that normal mechanism that we usually have yeah i guess i was picturing the fascia is more like it stretches over time like it can it's same as you know like gravity over time like it kind of stretches more versus mesh which is more rigid like stays Mm -hmm. put where it's supposed to but yeah yeah we we hardly ever saw i never saw any like fascia used when i was in residency because everyone used mesh because it was better you know so yeah Um, And then we also have, we have transurethral bulking where you actually use a bulking agent to bulk the midurethra and that just sort of, we call it a coaptation, brings everything together. Mm. What do you use for the bulking? So there's different, um, there's different materials out on the market. It depends on which company you like, which one you want to use. Um, The one that I prefer is made out of um, calcium hydroxyapatite, which is like a, a component of our bone. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say a bone substitute. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like I don't even not recognize it at all. Yeah. Podiatry over here is like, oh yeah, we yeah. use this all the time. Yeah, okay. the problem with that <laughs> procedure is that it's it's not as long lasting. It's not permanent because we're just putting this material into a potential space, so it sure. can sort of level out over time. Break down over time. Oh, um, okay. So you know, I don't those procedures. Uh, my patients who will choose those either they they just aren't ready to make a commitment yet and they yeah. want something or. They're elderly. They have a lot of other comorbidities that put them at a lot higher risk Mm -hmm. um, for surgery. And so this is sort of the option that's safest for them. So when you have the urethral sling, Mm -hmm. what does post-op for that look like? Um, So I tell my patients for the most part after, you know, two to three days, you can go back to work. I just don't want you doing anything heavy lifting. Okay. So nothing more than a gallon of milk, I tell my patients, um, Mm -hmm. or 10 pounds. I would, don't want you doing any aggressive exercise. And the reason for that is anytime you increase sure. your heart rate, right, it's going to increase the blood flow to wherever is healing. And mm-hmm. so then we're going to get inflammation. We're going to get swelling, swelling pain. Um, and then we're going to have complications. And I don't like to see complications. <laughs> okay. No, one no, no one does. Yeah. yeah. And what's the healing time frame on that? Like when could someone return to full activity? So full activity completely, I say about six weeks. Okay. For the most part, you know, you're going to feel good um, a few days afterwards and you may, you know, you may have a little bit of cramping, a little bit of tenderness, but overall you're going to feel almost back to normal almost immediately. Um, but really it's just no sex because we have an incision in the vagina mm-hmm. that we want to heal completely. Yeah. Um, and then no heavy lifting. So we're just not putting any tension on that sling. Do you ever prescribe vaginal estrogen like to help with the healing? I do. I do. Um, before and after. Well, I get that a lot from patients who have had it maybe many years ago and then they're postmenopausal and then they just don't continue it and it just gets, I mean, it's, you kind of got to continue it because then there's also like a problem. Like sometimes we'll see erosion and some things too and it's like, you got to keep that 
that estrogen so cream So once in you there. start it, you yes. should keep on that. You shouldn't it's, stop. I say yes. I, I don't know what the urogynecologist is. I mean, I'm a firm believer in vaginal estrogen for everyone, yeah. no matter what, um, after the age of like 45, um, just because I think it makes everything a lot better. Um, yeah. It re-estrogenizes it, and it makes okay. it thicker, mm-hmm. able to heal better, mm-hmm. sex is more comfortable. I mean, yep. but because when you're menopausal, it yeah. just becomes thinner, drier over sure. time, and more constricted. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that a little bit in the episode. So that would be your compound pharmacies? that you're using not necessarily or is you it can. just like a capsule i don't remember I well like, there is i'm asking for well, our listeners this, because i don't well, that'll remember be a whole different episode okay <laughs> vaginal atrophy man but you can do but, yeah. i mean you can do tablets you can do cream mm-hmm. it can okay. be compounded um yeah. there's even a ring uh, it's called the e-string uh, works really well um and it also prevents recurrent urinary tract infections which is why i get a oh. lot of my patients to yeah. stay on it okay yeah. Yeah, no, I think it helps a lot. I just see patients stop it because they just are annoyed. It's like yeah, no like, one wants to do something for the rest of their life, right? So they just th- feel like sooner or later, like, oh, I'm or they run stop. out. Yeah, I think they just run out and then mm-hmm. they just stop. And well, like, and it comes know. out, it gets messy and, okay. you know. Yeah. Oh. But until they have, until it's worn off and sure. then they realize, you know, right. the detriment that that's called, like the problems. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I should go back on that. And then they need a new prescription at that point because mm-hmm. it's all expired yeah. and they ran okay. out. So, yeah. so is there any kind of imaging or testing you have to order um, as part of the workup or so, generally physical exam? So physical exam is a huge part of it. Um, if you have, if you are what we consider complicated stress urinary incontinence, which is a sort of a category of when you have other things like prolapse or you've had a previous uh, your incontinence procedure mm-hmm. or that, then we may do what's called urodynamic testing um, on you. And that's to that's sort of a study where you sit in sort of this funny looking big potty chair is what I yeah. tell my patients. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And yeah, we put that sounds like a good time. one catheter. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's not painful. It's just really awkward and weird. But so we put one catheter in the bladder, one catheter goes in the vagina or the rectum, depending on if you have prolapse or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we fill the bladder and it allows us to see exactly how your bladder's functioning. Okay. So I can see, you know, are you voiding? Like, are you peeing correctly? Are you using the right muscles? Mm-hmm. Do you leak and when do you leak? Do you have overactive bladder? Do you also have stress incontinence? Um, and helps me sort kind of, of delineate mm-hmm. between the two of those. Yeah. What about urinary retention? Right. So I think that's somewhat common. Obviously, my most common is postoperatively. But what about in the absence of postoperative? How often is it to see people who void but don't completely empty their bladder? Incomplete emptying. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, so like an absence of general anesthesia, yeah. kind of different reasons why right so um you know everyone is going to have some amount left in their bladder after they urinate Mm -hmm. it's going to be anywhere from you know there's really no gold standard as to what is the amount that's normal so your bladder Um, doesn't ever completely empty for the most part no okay but as women with our anatomy the way it is our short urethras and our you know anterior vaginal walls are very close to our external um genitalia we have a better ability to sort of sense those small volumes of urine. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, actually, my patients will say, I don't empty my bladder all the way. I have to go back and I have to really like squeeze it out. And it's it's because they've sort of developed that sensation and they mm-hmm. now they've learned this cycle of, oh, now I really have to, there's more okay. there. It's not supposed to be there. That's really normal. So a lot of times I have to do a lot of training with my patients. I say, okay, you go to the bathroom, you urinate. Once it just stops, once it stops coming out, it's a don't push. Just get up and walk away. If you have to come back in five minutes, come back in five minutes. Okay. Um, so that, because what will happen is the bladder will start to contract, the urethra will start to spasm because it's, we're sort of doing these things that we shouldn't actually be doing. Okay. 
just urinary retention in general can be it can be because of a neurologic issue mm-hmm. it can be because of prolapse um okay. if you have extensive prolapse that can block the urethra from being able to empty it yeah so if yeah. your cervix and uterus are falling out of your vagina i was just gonna say so let's off. explain prolapse to people just in case they don't know yeah sure. well yeah there's different types yeah yeah you're, you're, yeah you're so the prolapse expert so prolapse is just laxity of the pelvic floor of the vagina and so i describe it to my patients in a way is like if you have pockets in your jeans mm-hmm. and you take your hands in the corners and you pull the corners inside out that's sort of like what the vagina is doing okay um and so it's just sort of things are just falling and falling out it's just Gra- gravity gravity but it's not gonna time. it's not gonna go anywhere <laughs> Yeah, just so. turning inside out like your clothes. <laughs> it makes it sound awful. It's turning inside out. Well, yeah. I, I mean, your insides are it, coming out. Well, sometimes, okay, sometimes the uterus and cervix will fall out. And those are yeah. more extreme cases, but most sure. patients can kind of push it back in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, it'll go in, it'll come out. Yeah, it goes go in and out, in and out. And so yeah. then that's when they usually come in, come in to be evaluated is when okay. they freak out because it's like hanging sure. out. The problem is... I mean, it's not a bad, I mean, if they can push it back in and it stays in, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if it's hanging out and it's like rubbing on the underwear or ulcerating or bleeding because yeah, it's like hanging right. out, that's the problem, right? right? Or so if gotta, it's like, preventing it. you from urinating, or urine, that yeah. actually can cause problems. What we worry about is the kidneys because um, yeah. it can okay. actually cause it reflux. reflux of the urine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can pop it back up in there, it's usually not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> or if you get a pessary, they can hold it up in there or something too, because pessaries can help pessary, hold it. Just surgery. find yourself yep. to your closest urogynecologist and get that fixed. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, every time I mention splinting to patients, so explain splinting, because whenever I ex- ask about splinting, either are they, I get this confused look, or it's like, yeah, I do. Like, right, and so like it's a always like, or... no, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, well, so when I talk to patients about splinting, it's more like using the aid of your hands to be able to empty your bladder, empty yeah. your oh, rectum. Okay. The rectum is the more common, but so they'll say, yeah, I have to use my hands sort of push against that posterior wall okay. or against the perineal body to sort of help really wow. completely evacuate. Okay. Yeah, so either they do it or they don't. So yeah. whenever I start asking about it, I can tell just by the look on their face when I'm starting to talk about it, whether yeah. they do or they don't, because either they're like... That would never occur to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, Without someone the, telling me to do that, like... Unless you needed to do it. They figure it out. Yeah. I guess. It's, yeah, it's amazing, it's like, what our body yeah. can tell you to do. I mean, they I was figured like, out. Oh, I mean, yeah. I guess, yeah, I've never been Because especially situation. if you're trying to have a bowel movement and you can't go, sure. and some people just figure it out that if they can push on uh-huh. a certain spot or inside yeah. the vagina mm-hmm. or on the perineum, that mm-hmm. it can, like, kind of flatten it back out. Like, they can go better. Wow. Um, I mean, if you stay on stool softeners, usually right. it's better. But patients okay. figure it out on their own, and so they just... And they just don't tell anybody. They don't... They would never give up that information right. without someone Being asking asked. them yeah, yeah. ever yeah. i've never ever had anyone voluntarily voluntarily say, say yeah. i have to do this thing is it a problem like yeah. the you, oh, you have with to fecal elicit incontinence it. people mm-hmm. really will not yeah. but that is also that really is like one of the most life-altering type of diagnoses yeah. you know urine i think you can hide a lot better mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier sure. to be not so transparent with fecal incontinence those are the people who are not leaving their houses, who yeah. really their quality of life so is much really So affected. tell us a little bit about that. Like what what is the most common reason that occurs or what age category? So it can be from um, obstetrical lacerations. You know, okay. if you've had an extensive laceration, a fourth degree, third degree laceration, mm-hmm. 
it can be from dietary problems or malabsorption disorders you know for patients who have very liquid stool right you can leak your or you can leak stool it can be solid stool it can be liquid stool so those are all different Mm -hmm. things it can be from pelvic floor dysfunction you can have what's called pelvic floor dysinergia where the pelvic floor doesn't talk to each itself correctly and you know you have tightening here when you're supposed to have relaxation and vice versa yeah wow yeah Yeah, we see a lot of it like obstetrical i guess is Mm -hmm. the stuff Mm -hmm. i see the most so any kind of um uh, injury to the sphincter yeah um or in sometimes you can't even tell at a delivery that you can have an injury to the sphincter and not ever know because there may not even be a big tear Mm -hmm. it could be below that you know and so you can have injury to that sphincter and not really even know it and so they can have issues later well and even 30 percent of people who have c-sections will have sphincter you know defects okay um so it, it we think it could just be general you know life yeah as well yeah, I can imagine that that's a traumatic yeah, diagnosis I feel like to handle. Marketing and advertising is making it easier for like incontinence, like leak, like urine incontinence. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. They're making it stylish and they're like having, you know, like the people, the things <laughs> panties. Yeah, and, the yeah. things panties. And, mm-hmm. and then just even the like older people, like just for the poise poise. with the designs on them. Yes, and yeah. they're just like modeling it okay. and ads and mm-hmm. the guys are modeling it because the guys have incontinence too, you know, and right. so they have these ads now and they're trying to make it look cool and easy. It's like, yeah, it's okay. We all have it. I'm like, but you shouldn't all have it. That's you right. fix it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poor things. <laughs> I know. That's but great. I mean, people like to hide it though. Like they don't seek treatment. Sure. And so they just buy the stuff over the counter. I mean, I imagine so many people just live with this because they don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, women, we're notorious for not really taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. and we just sort of deal with it. Yeah. yeah. So that's mainly the... Stress incontinence. Stressing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they covered most everything with the stress. So now urge incontinence or the um, overactive bladder sure. part of it. Let's dive into that yeah. side of it. So again, we're going to start, you know, it's going to be very similar to, you know, for evaluation, history, physical. Um, I'm going to do pretty much the same physical exam. So then, you know, we're going to go into conservative management first and we're going to talk about Well, we're going to talk about what we call bladder retraining, which actually can really improve anybody, mm-hmm. whether you're going to do something beyond conservative management or not and so that's just really retraining your bladder how to fill with larger and larger volumes Mm -hmm. to get to a normal volume because with overactive bladder urgent continence you're peeing frequently in very small volumes Mm. um i imagine it to be like biofeedback biofeedback is is huge yeah it's very helpful Mm -hmm. Indifferent to stress renewing incontinence, a lot of times it's about strengthening the muscles. With overactive bladder, it's really about learning how to relax the muscles. Okay. Um, so, you know, especially when you're, you know, people say, oh, do your Kegels. Well, for these patients, Kegels actually can make it worse. Oh, wow. So we don't want them to do their Kegels. Um, so that's then, good to know. Yeah. I don't think I ever knew that or told patients that. Or Yeah. yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so then beyond, you know, conservative management, there are medications for overactive bladder. We've got two different types. We've got the anticholinergics who have been around for a really long time. Those yeah. medications, they work okay, about 60%. That's the only ones that insurance will cover. Well, oh, yeah, no. unfortunately. Um, the problem is they yeah. come with a lot of side effects. Yeah. And dry eyes, dry mouth, constipation, mm-hmm. and probably patients who already are constipated. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest thing that we're learning most recently is that there's also an increased risk of dementia. Um, oh, with no. long-term use oh, wow. yeah yeah and so we don't know what the we don't know what the dosage is we don't know what the mm-hmm. length of treatment is that's causing dementia 
Um, they think it's cumulative over time. It's kind of a double-edged sword because you see a lot of incontinence and dementia as well. So Well, and there is a lot of medications also that just have anticholinergic effects that also mm-hmm. are included in that. So in general, you know, there's you could be taking some of these medications and not even know it. Yeah. Um, so within the anticholinergic family, there's a couple medications that we think don't cause the risk of dementia. So we try to stick with those, uh, best as we can, but a lot of times insurance does dictate what we do. Which two, which ones are the ones that don't? So trospium, um, is the one, so we think it's, it's, they call it a quaternary mean, which means it's just really large. And so we think it doesn't cross the blood brain barrier. Um, and then there's also Enablex, um, mm-hmm. or Darfinison is the uh, generic term. And they think that's more selective to just receptors in the bladder. So they think mm-hmm. that's why it doesn't cause. Of course, all of this is theoretical. We, yeah, sh- we don't know for sure. Data. Right. Mm-hmm. I do try to tend to lean towards the, the you know, the other uh, class of medications are, we call them the beta-3 agonists. The beta-3 is a receptor in the bladder. Um, both of these medications work by relaxing the bladder and decreasing the contra- the amount of contractions that you have. So the hope is that you are allowed to fill your bladder more without having that urgency, without having that sensation. Um, and so you're you're getting larger volumes less yeah. frequently. Which one do you prefer to? I mean, I prefer the beta-3 agonist just because of the decreased side effect profile. What Do you um, have any specific ones that you prefer? There's like only one there? on the market oh, that okay. I'm aware Which one? of. Yeah, Mirbagron. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. When that one, like, I tried to prescribe, and I'm like, Ugh. like, they'll never pay for that first. And then, like, insurance-wise. Yeah, some like, insurances are starting to get better about are it. They? Um, And I think there may be some other generics that might be coming on the market soon. Oh, that'll be hopefully. good. Yeah. Because I feel like they want us to try the others first. Oh, right, like try and fail. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I yeah. tell patients that. I'm like, okay, they always want us to start with these. Let's try it first. It has these side effects. If you mm-hmm. use it and it's great, great. Yeah. yeah. If you have no side effects, then we'll continue yeah. on. But if you do... We can at least document it and then move on and try the other ones. And some Medicare plans actually have changed. It used to be you had to try two medications before you went on to anything else. And now Medicare is um, almost letting you, some some only require one medication and some only, some don't even require medication at all. And they're letting you skip even beyond medications. So, you know, uh, Medicare usually sets the standard as mm-hmm. far as insurance companies. Yeah. So usually what they start doing, others, I'm hoping, will start trickle down. down the t- I feel like it takes years it for does them take to years, yeah. trickle down. And by that time, <laughs> exactly. we've already found something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a new med out that we want to try. <laughs> so yeah. I want to know a little bit about the physical therapy for the pelvic mm-hmm. floor therapy. And what is a typical treatment course? So how often does someone have to go? And then maybe what's the duration of it? And then what does that therapy look like? So you go anywhere from once once a week to every two weeks for usually you want to go for at least 12 weeks. Okay. Um, and the physical therapy appointment is going to be tailored completely to you mm-hmm. depending on what you need, what your pelvic floor okay. does. Um, it, the pelvic, you're going to see a specific pelvic floor physical therapist, yeah. someone who did a lot of training. It takes them a long time to be trained for this, over mm-hmm. about 10 to 15 years actually. Wow. Um, so that's why they're really hard to find. Yeah, and they're amazing. The good ones are really hard We have to some find. really good ones here in town. Okay. Do you have one mm-hmm. in your office specifically? I don't your... have one in my office, but I have several within the hospital system. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. We always have our favorites because pelvic mm-hmm. floor physical therapy is huge for our right. field. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we always have our favorites and we refer mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And there's a bunch, a okay. few in this area. Right. Yeah. And they'll do, you know, so you're going to be in a special room. You're not going to be with everybody Absolutely. else in yeah. the gym because it's they're going to do some internal work. So it okay. may... 
um, involve, you know, one finger inside the vagina, trying to find, you know, trying to teach you how to recruit what the right muscles. Like. Okay. Right. Um, and they may do biofeedback. They can do E-STEM. Okay. Um, and so there's That's a lot of amazing. things they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. I always and try to warn do... the patients because I'm like, they're like, well, how do I do physical therapy for that? I'm like, well, they actually do that. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. they're going to be in there. I'm like, well, kind of, yeah, they have to yeah. get in there. They find those muscles. Yeah. You can figure out what specific muscle is what mm-hmm. and which is causing a problem and yeah and it's usually just the first or second time you know initially when you're starting and sometimes some pelvic floor physical therapists will start without doing anything internal the first you know just times to get just the to comfort to level sort of get you comfortable but uh once you learn how to do what they're trying to assist you in doing they don't need to be it's not they're not in there all the time yeah yeah okay yeah very interesting yeah. So then once we get beyond medications, um, you know, we get to what we call third line therapy and that is either injecting Botox into the bladder, mm-hmm. um, or using what we call a sacral neuromodulation, which is like actually a little pacemaker for the bladder. Um, and those treatments both work very well, um, and help decrease, you know, your urgency and frequency by about 8%. Dang. Well, let's back up. You had me at Botox. So how, how do you inject the Botox? Are you injecting it into the bladder muscle itself? So yeah, you're doing... By ultrasound yeah, guidance or something? Well, like by, how do you do that? Through the cystoscope. So we have a little camera that oh. we use that goes into the urethra, then into the bladder. And then we inject the Botox into the muscle of the bladder. So I'm like, back up. Is this in the OR under anesthesia or is this in the <laughs> office? So you can do it in the office or okay. in the OR. Do you use like a topical anesthesia? Usually we I'm use like some lidocaine this. jelly um, in the yeah. urethra and then we will put some lidocaine into the bladder and okay. let it sort of sit. Interesting. But you know, cystoscopy for women, especially, um, you know, if you're doing it frequently, it's very, it's not very painful at all. Oh. It's, it's very well tolerated. Okay. Yeah. A lot of them do it in their office. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just never heard of the Botox part of it. I find that interesting. Yeah. Botox, Botox is okay. good for so many things. I know. I mean, it's really been being used for almost oh, a lot. anything now. I yeah. mean, yeah. migraines. Yeah. I know. Like sweating, like especially mm-hmm. in the yeah, armpits. Yeah. You can, like people you can, can use it in their in feet as well yeah. for hyperhidrosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then does insurance cover it for yeah. the bladder? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting learn more and more every day. I know. Yeah, Medicare covers it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's really cool. So I think, you know, the people who are easiest to treat with urinary incontinence are the people who leak all the time. Um, Because any of the treatments that we have, whether it's for stress or urge, I can never guarantee 100% you will never leak again. Now, I can, for some things, I can probably get you pretty close. Um, But I like to tell my patients, you know, you're going to have that episode where you get bronchitis or you get a cough and you're just coughing, 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 and you haven't leaked since your sling, but then now all of a sudden you do. Yeah. Um, You know, because at some point, you know, your muscles get fatigued and, you know, at some point you're just going to overcome what you do. And it's not that it's not working. It's just that. There's a failure point. There is. Yeah. And so I tell most of my patients, if you leak 10 times a day, the majority of my patients don't really leak unless it's those rare circumstances. Yeah. But I tell all my patients, I would expect to go from 10 to maybe two. So increasing yeah. by 80%. Mm-hmm. So the people who leak more prior to coming in, they're much easier to make happy, right? Because if you can go from 10 to two, that's a, a big difference, yeah. right? But my patients who maybe leak once a week, leak once every other day, those are my harder patients to treat. And sometimes, you know, incontinence can be due to other things than things we talked about today. Um, And that's why seeing someone who really understands Mm -hmm. um, and does a full evaluation of that uh, is important. And you want to see someone who has a training who can really, you know, identify that. Now, do patients have to be 
specifically referred to you by another doctor or can they just schedule with you right away? Um, I believe they can schedule with me right away. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. That it, helps. It probably depends mm-hmm. on their insurance. Yeah. But if that they, helps. yeah, if they call up, um, you know, Baylor Scott and White and ask for your gynecology, Dr. Dewar, like that should be able to get them in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, well, and then spell your name for us. D as in dog, O-U-G-H-E-R. Yes. All right. And you're with Baylor Scott and White. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we have some questions that we have been asking all of our guests recently. When the pandemic is over, which is coming closer and closer, but where's the first place you want to travel to? So pre-pandemic, um, a, a friend of mine uh, from residency, we actually had planned to go to Portugal and Spain. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, sad. And, we, and randomly, <laughs> we randomly decided to do this trip. Um, I was in Chicago visiting her for a Lizzo concert and she's like, oh, Taylor Swift is playing in Portugal. And I was like, we want to go to Portugal. Let's go. And we literally bought tickets that day. I love it. For like $70. And we're like, we'll figure out the rest later. Oh, you bought the concert tickets for $70. I'm like, where did you find a plane ticket for $70? We like to Portugal. We never got to buying the plane tickets, unfortunately. Oh, because the concert was supposed to be in the midst of the pandemic. It was like in July. Yeah, my sisters also had tickets to a uh, Taylor Swift concert that got canceled and they're very sad oh, so yeah. i'm yes. sorry that that there's a lot of concerts you. canceled yeah. mm-hmm. and i'm slowly getting emails of like these are rescheduled and i'm like well that's not a convenient day or yeah. time so <laughs> how can we redo uh, this please exactly exactly okay so well you did have that planned so yeah. maybe that'll be back on the radar at maybe. some point in time yeah. okay well you're new to austin so you probably yes. haven't had too much time to explore do you have a favorite question. austin restaurant so far um, have you gotten out? Yeah, I was like, it, have you gone cool. anywhere? It's, it's been the snowstorm. No, oh, yeah, you're bored. bored. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay, you haven't really eaten out a ton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've gotten takeout a lot. <laughs> What's your favorite takeout from <laughs> What's your favorite takeout from Austin? So there's actually this little hole in the wall Japanese restaurant that has the best sushi. Oh, those oh. are the best. Um, it's okay, like tell this us. little it's called Maru, M A R U. It's on um, North Burnett and it's literally it's next to a tattoo parlor and like I wouldn't go in other than I read the Yelp <laughs> reviews and I was like, oh, well, "Those I'm are the best ones." Yeah. And it's this little husband and wife from Japan it's like It's amazing. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, she was so they're just really sweet and the fish quality really good and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so that's okay. on our list now there Maru. we go mm-hmm. okay maru yeah, yeah. um what's your favorite activity or hobby outside of medicine so um i used to really be into crossfit and then the pandemic brought me peloton so now i'm like obsessed Ooh, okay with my peloton. bike or treadmill bike bike okay yeah yeah, so you have the bike too. I do. I've had to, had to take a little break since I got my puppy because the Peloton is upstairs where it's carpeted, which is like no oh, no yeah. man's land for the dog. Yeah. But I feel like we're getting close to where I can bring her upstairs and watch her in the morning. Um, because once she exits the kennel and the rest of the family is sleeping, I can't let her outside yeah. and then put her back in because she'll wake everyone up. So yeah. we've just been doing walks outside instead. But yeah, I miss my Peloton. I'm, I think I'm yeah. the only non-Peloton. You need a Peloton. Oh need- but the thing is like, it's just amazing because you can do the apps like when we travel mm-hmm. right so then we'll pull up the running app or the walking oh, app yeah. and then they're in your ear and I don't like running but I will run with Peloton in yeah. my ear because Olivia is like run yes and then I will run yeah. but yeah. so it's more than just the bike right because you have yoga and bar yeah. and Pilates uh, and that's all news because it used to be just the bike right well, I find that the most interesting feature <laughs> is that you could actually like video on your pellet, right? Like you can turn on but the it video. Works terribly. I, well, I just like find it so odd. I'm like, this, I look terrible, terrible at five angle. o'clock in the morning. Like, and it's a bad angle. Like, I don't want this video yeah. of me on yeah. here. 
Fun idea, Peloton. I I think we need to do an episode on desserts in Austin. This is my new fascination, right? So, like, I have a few favorites, but they're kind of the tried and trues. Like, Gordo's Donuts, obviously. Oh, man, those are good. So good. The Baked Bear downtown is good. They have one in Georgetown now. Have you tried the... um the ice cream place that was all it's all alcoholic. the yard milkshake no oh, the no. Al- al- alcoholic ice cream no. oh, so good and i didn't hear about this I, what yeah. is it called and then there's the cow tipping creamery which i haven't tried that yet but yeah. their instagram page looks amazing well dr door i learned so much today thank you so much for coming oh, in you. um i think that this is going to be a really valuable resource for a lot of our patients and for some who maybe have been too fearful to speak with their own physician about this um, well, and the ones who thought it was normal normal right? and, and to realize that you don't have to live with this and that there are options and are solutions and it doesn't always involve surgery yeah Um, you don't have to pee on yourself every day and you don't have to wear you can jump on the trampoline (laughs) you can get on that trampoline well and you don't have to carry a change of clothes with you everywhere i mean i think there's Mm -hmm. like signs and signals like of people who like have to carry backup clothes everywhere they're mapping out bathrooms everywhere they go and it's like that's exhausting like you don't want to have to go somewhere just Mm -hmm. and map out a bathroom and that's the first thing you have to do like you just want to get on with your life and just go run your errands and get out you know yeah i think one of my favorite patients uh after we had gotten her treated for her overactive bladder, she came in and she said, you know, she's like, I actually was able to go to church, enjoy myself, visit with people after the service. I didn't have to run to the bathroom or mm-hmm. worry about getting out as quickly as I can because I had had an accident. Um, and so, you know, it's really these things that I take care of are really quality of life. So yeah. if there's something that's affecting you, it's, you know, it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quality of life for sure. And it's worth doing earlier than later. Yeah. Yeah. All Otherwise right. Otherwise you miss out. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank I think you. this has been awesome and we're so glad you were able to join us today. Thank you for having me. All right. That's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been loving all the feedback and the questions that we're getting. Just keep them coming. And don't forget, if you want to leave a voice message, you can go to the link at the bottom of the description in the episode. You may even hear your question or comment here on the show. Because we can actually submit that comment or question into our episode. So if you just leave that message for us, we can add it in. And remember to subscribe so you'll be the first to know every time we release a new episode. We're super grateful for all the downloads, rates, and reviews. These help to drive our podcast up in the rankings, and it makes it easier for others to find us. Do you have an interesting idea or a question that you would like to see answered on the podcast? Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com or message us here on Instagram at from tits to toes. And remember, keep your tits up and your toes down.